Well, good morning. Grateful to, uh, to have you all here today. If you are new to LifePoint, my name is Ed Travers. I'm a teaching pastor here at our campus in Westerville, and uh, just super grateful to have Baptism Sunday here and to celebrate these two young men going public with their faith. I uh, want to say that if you are a guest and you haven't checked in with LifePoint, uh, you can do that pretty easily. If you turn on your phone, turn on the camera and put it to a QR code on a chair in front of you, or you can just type in lpguest.com. That takes you to an online uh, connect card uh, that has all kinds of information there, information about our church, upcoming events, things like that. Uh, you can hit the sermon notes. So as I'm talking, you can actually follow along and they're interactive. So you can write notes in that section, email those to yourself if you want a record of just kind of what you're uh, thinking about today as I've been talking. Um, there's also a button called guest information. If you've not checked in with us, do that. Hit that button, fill out a little bit of information, take you less than a minute. Tell us how you heard about LifePoint. That's a big interest to me. And then scroll down. There are five ministries that we support from all of our campuses. And if you see one that's of interest to you, check that box. We'll do an extra $5 donation to that ministry just to say thanks for checking in with us. Uh, something we do at all of our campuses. So you can join with a bunch of guests today uh, to celebrate uh, you know, what God is doing and things that, uh, that are on your heart, uh, whatever box you check. So that said, I was thinking about something as I was preparing for this message. Uh, I was thinking back to a time in my life, and this has happened a couple times in my life, where I found myself in a position where uh, physically I'm in complete darkness and I'm unfamiliar with the territory and the, the, the surroundings that I'm in. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, let me give you a for instance in my life. This was many years ago before I had a cell phone uh, with a flashlight on it, but uh, I was with a bunch of guys. We went to a men's retreat at to, out to Marmon Valley Farms. So maybe some of you guys have been there. It's a really large horse ranch. Uh, as you head out 33, almost to Bell Fountain, uh, you go to this place. And uh, it's just, it's ginormous. There's all kinds of land there. Uh, and they have this really beautiful barn. Uh, here's a picture of the barn. I wanted you to see this picture at night because that was the only light uh, that we could really see in this barn. Now, way off, about a quarter mile away from that are the cabins in which all the guys were staying in. Uh, and they were just small cabins. And then up on this hill, about a third of a mile from that, way up on this hill, you have to go through all these like horse trails and ravine and there's a hill and all that. You go all the way up to the top and then up there's this big cabin and that's where the guys met for their gathering time. So at that place, you know, we had our Bible time and we had, you know, our prayer time, all that stuff. It was really great. And we were there most of the day. Um, and because I don't get that much time with my guys, uh, I stayed as long as I could. But people started trickling out as the night started to get you know, late. People would trickle out and they would head down to their cabins to go to bed. So I stayed as late as I could. And then finally, I was at that point where I'm like, I'm ready to crash. And so I leave that cabin and I'm going to head to the cabin in which I'm staying. The problem was, as I got away from the cabin light, there was no light out where I was at. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And I'm thinking, I could see the barn way off on this side, but I knew we were staying over here. And all I saw was one light bulb on top of the cabin like right over the door, there was a light bulb about a third of a mile from where I was standing. And I'm thinking, I know the path went like this, but all I can see is the light. And I don't, I don't know if I'm on the path. I don't know if I'm going to break an ankle. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? Uh, 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 like I thought maybe I should turn back around and go back to the cabin and like I'd have to sleep there. <laughs> but I'm like, no one, no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, that was cool, Ed. You know, you're such a sissy. Like I'm like, I've got to get to this light. And so I'm seeing the light bulb and I'm just like a step at a time. Are there bobcats out here? Probably snakes. I bet there's snakes under my feet right now ready to kill me. And I just slowly made my way to that little light bulb until I got back. I bring it up. We're in this series called Playlist. 
And in playlists, we're looking at the Psalms. The book of Psalms have 150 poems and songs uh, and, and prayers to God, and, and they cover the entirety of the human emotion spectrum. Some of elation and some of, of just lament and everything in between, they're really amazing. And one person said that, that if you are struggling to pray to God, the Psalms give you language to talk to him. What we're saying, the big idea in playlist is this, is that God writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. Here's what I know to be true about a relationship with God. And maybe you've experienced this, is that there are times when in our relationship with God, it feels like we're surrounded by darkness and he's a, as far away as he can be. There are just times it feels like that. And I think if you're at the beginning of your journey with God, that makes sense. Because a lot of people, when they, when they are investigating God and they're trying to figure it out, they, they expect God to be so far away. They expect him to feel like a million miles away and they have no expectation that they would actually feel the presence of God in their soul. That makes complete sense. But for believers, it catches them off guard. And you know why? Because for believers who experience the peace of God, they experience his Holy Spirit, they start to feel his love and his joy and his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness and gentleness. They start to feel that inside. Moments of elation when you hear the gospel. Do you remember that back to that moment when you first heard the gospel? You heard that Christ died on the cross and you realized you were the problem? Like not, okay, yeah, Jesus died for the world. I, I believe that. No, you realize that I'm the problem. I'm a sinner. I'm the one who deserves death. And Jesus took my death. And then you said, all right, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. I want you. And you felt that grace and peace and mercy flood over you. Remember those moments? Like if you've experienced God answering your prayers, when you read the Bible, and some of you came in today, and when you read the Bible, it just jumps off the page into your soul. And you feel so close to God. There are seasons in your relationship with God where it just feels, he feels so close. You had no idea it could feel like that. But there are also seasons when it feels exactly the opposite. Like, like where are you, God? And here's the thing. How do we connect to God in those seasons? How do we connect to God when it feels like he's so far away? That's what this psalmist in Psalm 42 is writing about. He's singing about. This psalmist, is, it's not exactly clear who he is. It says the sons of Korah. Now that was a family of Levite priests who sang songs and hymns to God. They led the chorus and they were the worship leaders of their day. But this worship leader is now apart from Jerusalem. He's no longer there where, the, where all of the bands sing and praise God. He's apart, and so he's, he's lamenting that. And it's possible, some writers believe that it was David directing them, because there was a season in David's life where he was on the run from his son Absalom, and he was apart, and maybe he was directing the sons of Korah here. He would have definitely identified with what he's saying here. But in either case, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 probably go together. Uh, it's really one song but for our purposes today, we can look at Psalm 42 and get the gist of it. But I think it's gonna help us understand how to connect to God when it's hard. So that's what we're gonna, we're gonna do. Let's do one thing before we enter into that time. Let's just pray. Let's take a second, let's talk to God. If you're not a praying person or if you're a praying person, here's what I want you to do. Just say, God, speak to me during this time. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. By your word and through your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. Help us connect to you especially teach us what it means to connect to you in times when it's difficult. And we ask that in your son's name, amen, amen. Well, 
If you're following along through the app or uh, on that lpguest.com and you hit the sermon notes, uh, the first line, and you can, you can follow along. I'm going to give three of these as we're going. The first one is this. We all have a thirst deep inside our soul. We all have a thirst deep inside our soul. I gave you the context. The writer starts writing in verse 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? The psalmist brings a metaphor. He talks about this deer that's out in a desert area that he's panting for water. And we can identify with a deer or probably more likely a dog or an animal, a pet. Um, whenever you have something, an animal that's apart from water in a dry land, we, they pant. They, they just can't wait to get a drop of water. We all understand that. And he's saying, just like that, my soul thirsts for you. My thirst for you, God. And, and I'm panting because there's... You're just not there. And he, he kind of cries out, oh, my soul, I'm bringing all of this to you, God. Where are you? When can I come before you again? When are we going to connect again? That's what he's saying. He's crying out. I think the writer realizes that he is longing to connect to God, but he feels disconnected from God. I think we all know it. We may not put words to it, but we all know that we have a thirst in our soul. I believe it's because God made us that way. It's like a thumbprint on us saying, I made you to know me. I made you to connect to me. That thumbprint in our soul leaves us longing to fill it. And in doing so, sometimes if we don't understand, we try to fill that with something else. That's the normal human experience is to try to fill that ache or that longing in our soul to be fulfilled and satisfied with something. Now, we all understand ways that you can do that, like a relationship. Many people long to be in a relationship. Like they believe that if I finally get that relationship, then it's gonna fulfill my soul. Then they get the relationship and they're like, okay, I need a different relationship. I, I wanna get married one day. I want that person to complete me. They, then they find themselves, well, I just want kids. And then I want my kids to have opportunities and to excel. And, and they pour their life into that. And then, you know, sometimes they go to work and they find a job. They want prestige or money or power or affirmation. And they just long for those things. Sometimes it's, it's fun. Sometimes it's hobby. Sometimes it's, it's a recreation. Sometimes you just want desperately for your team to go to the World Series one time in your lifetime, right? There are other ways that we try to fill it, right? Ways that usually leave us with the biggest regrets in our life. Because that ache that's in there, it can't be filled. And so we try to numb it out. We look for ways to, like, I want to I dull this thing down and then those things sometimes become addiction or things that we regret most in life. We all have this thirst. The difference is the psalmist understands specifically what that thirst is. It's a longing for God. Only God can fill that thing that he's put in your soul. I, um, I was thinking about a story in scripture that I think would help us to understand this. Um, every, everyone wants to know what God is like. I've... I've I've met so many people that, you know, they're, they always project onto God. Well, I think God is like this. I think God is like this. And everyone has this idea in their head. Well, God must be, you know, and usually we take some ideology of something we've heard on TV or from another person or our own fathers, and we think God is like this. And uh, if you really want to know God, you have to look at his son. He is God in the flesh. He's come to us, God to us, Emmanuel, God with us. If you want to know the father, you have to look at the son. In fact, Jesus said at one point to his best friend, one of his best friends, Philip, he says, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, okay, what is God like? 
Here's the conversation that Jesus had with this woman that really helps us understand. Jesus went to this place called Samaria. He was with his disciples and they were traveling from one point to another point and he decided to go through Samaria. Now his disciples are like, don't go to Samaria. He's like, no, we have to go to Samaria. And they're like, why would you go to Samaria? And so they go to Samaria and he tells his guys, go and get some food in town and I'm going to this well. I got business there at the well. And they're like, okay, all right, that's cool. Now, why is that an issue? You have to understand the culture at the time. You see, the Samaritans and the Jewish people from Jerusalem have a deep racist hatred towards one another. And it goes way back. Like all the way back when the people turned away from God, they had a, a civil war. And so Israel and Judah became two separate nations and the capital of Israel became Samaria and the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. And they were at odds and at wars with each other for generations. And then there was a captivity and then other people came in and, and you know, intermingled with some of the Jewish people there that were Israelites. And uh, you know, they became kind of race and they took on some different God ideas. And the people in Jerusalem, they were like convinced that this is the only way to do it. And there was this, all this tension and Jews did not hang out with Samaritans ever. And Jesus was like, no, we have to go there. His disciples were like, what? So he goes there, he goes to the well and this woman shows up and he says, hey, can you get me a drink of water? And the woman said, um, why are you talking to me? Because Jews don't have anything to do with us Samaritans. And Jesus said this, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water and you'd never thirst again. Now she's kind of skeptical. She's like, dude, you don't even have a bucket. Like, where are you gonna get this water? He says, look, if you recognize who I am, I would give you water that would well up in your life. You'd never thirst again and it would lead you to eternal life. So now she gets a little bit skeptical and she starts throwing out some uh, you know, uh, theology uh, debates of the day. Like, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And Jesus is answering these questions. And uh, he finally says to her, because she seems interested, he says, hey, why don't you get your husband, come back and let's have a conversation. She goes, I'm not married. He goes, I know. In fact, you've been married five times and the guy you're living with is not your husband. Now she gets super uncomfortable and she changes the subject immediately. She's like, well, I heard the Messiah is coming. Like everyone knows the Messiah is coming. He goes, that's me. Now look, interestingly enough, side note, of all the people in the world Jesus could reveal he's the Messiah to the first time, it could have been the disciples. It could have been his brothers. It should have been the religious leaders. And the first person he revealed he was the Messiah to was a Samaritan woman with a bad past. And he looks at her and says, I'm the Messiah. Do you know what he was saying to her? Do you know what the whole point of the conversation was? He says, I know you're thirsty. I've got what you need. You've been trying to fill it with a guy after guy, after guy, after guy, after guy, after guy. You're trying to fill that ache in your soul and it's not working, is it? I'm the answer. That's what he's saying. And it's real easy to look back on ancient scripture and think, well, those people are so like uneducated and, and they, you know, they would do that stuff. No one today would ever try to fill that thirst with a relationship. Whatever the thirst is, he knows. So if you want to know what God is like, God knows the thirst that's in your soul. He understands. And here's the thing, there are gonna be seasons when life will challenge our faith. There just are gonna be seasons when life will challenge the faith. This guy writes, uh, and it's a song, so I can kind of pick lyrics from here and there and kind of give you the gist. I'm not gonna go over all of it, but let me give you some of the things that he was crying out about. The first one is this, this guy was heartbroken. 
Verse three, my tears have been my food day and night. This guy is saying, I can't stop crying. So he doesn't say what happened, but he can't stop crying. That's heartbreak. He's depressed. In verse six, it says this, my soul is cast down within me. He's saying, I have a weight on my life. I am heavy in my soul. That's depression. Depression isn't something you make up in your head. It is a physical thing that happens of what's happening in your soul. This guy feels it. Verse seven, he's overwhelmed. It says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. At all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He's saying, it keeps hitting me over and over and over again. Like, when can I get a break? As soon as I catch my breath with this one, another problem, another thing. He's just overwhelmed with life. This season is just hitting him. And the next one, which I think is probably the key to the entire psalm, verse nine, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? This guy feels abandoned. He feels abandoned by God. Do you know what he's saying? God, don't you see this? Don't you see what's happening? And I keep asking again and again and again, and you're not answering. At least you're not answering the way I want you to answer. Where are you, God? You feel like a million miles away. He feels abandoned. In verse 10, he feels ridiculed. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where's your God? Where's your God? You know, have you ever had a moment in your life where something bad is happening and you're praying and you're asking God to fix it and it just doesn't seem fixed. He doesn't, doesn't seem to be answering and you're crying out to God and something happens inside, like almost a thought in your head comes up and goes, well, he's just paying you back for some, something you did like back then. Has that ever happened to you? You ever have one of these thoughts come up? Like you're, you're struggling before God and you're crying out to him and, and you feel like God's saying, you know, you think it's God and he, hey, if you were just a better Christian, Man, if you were more consistent in your prayer life, if you read the Bible more often, if you went to church, if you would start writing checks, if you would serve down in the kids' room, like if you just did something, then I would answer. Have you ever felt like that? It's like barbs. The enemy's thrown at you like darts. And worse yet, some of you have actually had this happen. You're struggling and yet another person look at you and say, I thought you were a Christian. I don't know which of the five you've experienced, but my guess is you've experienced at least one of the five, if not all of them. This guy is crying out in the midst of a season that is challenging his faith. And I think the psalmist is describing that these feelings are powerful and they're legitimate and they're real. And he's crying out to God. These feelings are overwhelming him. I think we have to recognize that there are gonna be seasons in our life that challenge our faith. Maybe not exactly like this guy, but they're common. They really do. And I don't want you to get caught off guard. Believer in this room, you've, you've had those moments of closeness with God. I'm telling you, there will be a season when it's gonna be challenged. Your faith itself will be challenged. And we have to decide, and this is the biggest issue we have because Jesus is trying to teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. Teach us to walk by his truth, which never changes and not by our feelings, which change all the time. And what I've recognized in people's lives is that challenges happen and your feelings are legitimate and they come at you, but they always change. People with strong faith who put their faith in the truth of God and who he is, people who do that, they're not blown around like a leaf in the wind based on every circumstance that happens. 
And here's the deal, you need faith. You really do. When life comes at you, you need something you can anchor your life into, like a tree that's got roots that dig deep down in. So when the wind hits it, it does bend, but it's still standing. You need faith in your life. And the people who I've met that have uh, the most cracks in the barks of those trees have the deepest roots because they chose to trust in God in the midst of the wind that was blowing in their life. And you need that. We need that. And God in his mercy, he allows it to happen so that it can build those roots in our soul. And I've seen a lot of things here. Over the years, I'm usually sitting across the table from people who are struggling with seasons. You know, they come and they want answers and they want prayer and they want to see, God, what are you doing? And, And here's the thing I've noticed. There are some people that check out on God. They do. I've watched people who have moments just like this where they have this incredible moment with God and and they're taking steps, they've gone on mission trips and and even shared their faith and led Bible studies. But then a season happens that they can't explain and they feel like, why is God not answering? And why do I feel so abandoned? And they check out. Their faith is gone. I have witnessed this again and again. People check out. On the other side of that, I've seen people almost inexplicably go through things that I think, this would challenge anyone's faith. And they look me in the eye and say, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think, you're nuts. I have a dear friend who uh, was terminal with cancer, looked me in the eye and said, I wouldn't change it. And I'm like, you wouldn't change it? Are you serious? Like, I want the changes for you. And the person said, this has forced me, my cancer has forced me to depend on God. And what I have gained in my relationship with God, I wouldn't trade for anything, including this cancer. Like how? Look, the question you have to ask yourself then is why does he allow it? Because God can do anything, right? Like in a snap of his fingers, he can change any circumstance or situation. Why does he allow it? Look, sometimes you need to understand that the seasons we're in, we caused them. We did this, like we make decisions sometimes that just lead us into things that we're like, I'm just getting the results of what I've kind of spent my life on. That just happens to us sometimes. Sometimes we're stupid. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I hear the words from my beautiful wife, Ed, you're stupid. (laughs) Like, why did you do that? There are other times you're in seasons because life happens to you. We live in a broken world and there are broken people and sometimes broken people spill out onto your life. Sometimes it just happens to you. Sometimes you get a diagnosis you're not expecting or you lose a loved one or you have relationship strife or your marriage is struggling. Sometimes life happens and it's not even your fault. It just happens. And sometimes I think God just allows things because he's he's gonna work all things together for the good. He has a purpose for this to teach us. He's gonna work them for the good for anyone who's called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Some of you, that's your life verse. You cling to the truth in the midst of your feelings. And here's the thing, dry seasons teach us to walk by faith. This is the important thing. Dry seasons teach us to walk by faith. The psalmist cries out here. And it's a song, so you kind of have to piece the lyrics together. But he cries out in verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. In the midst of these feelings that are overwhelmed, God, I feel your steadfast love being commanded towards me, and at night, I'm going to praise you for it with a song. Even though I don't feel what I want to feel, even though I don't see what I want to see, I know that you love me. I know by the truth of who you are, I'm praising you, God, with song. That's what he's saying. 
I'm choosing to praise God in the midst of this circumstance. Verse five and 11, and if you go into chapter 43 at the end, it's all one verse, it's all the same, it's identical. It's like the chorus of this whole Psalm. Here's what it says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Do you hear he's, he's preaching to himself? He's reminded himself, why are you cast down on my soul? He's, he's looking at the circumstance and looking at the truth of God and saying, look, pay attention, self. Be aware. Why? Why are you in turmoil when put your hope in God? Choose to hope in God. That's an act of faith in the midst of struggle. Hope in God, for I shall praise him. I'm gonna praise him even though the circumstance don't seem legitimate uh, to, to praise God. I'm gonna choose to praise him in this moment on purpose. Why? Because he's my salvation. He is my salvation and he is my God. I'm gonna place my hope in him. That is an act of faith. He's choosing to have faith in the midst of struggle. And I think that's the lesson he's trying to teach us. Sometimes when you come in here on a Sunday and you're praising God, it takes faith just to sing the words, doesn't it? Like sometimes you're going through it and you're singing these, these songs that we sing on Sunday morning of praise to God. And sometimes you have to sing them until your heart catches up. I think that's the importance of praise. You know, the Psalms, they're real. You know, they were written thousands of years ago and yet they, they tell it like it is, they don't hold back and it really covers us. What is we feel? This psalmist is crying out to God and he's longing for God. There's, there's a, a writer named, uh, or a singer, two, a couple of artists, Tori Kelly and Kirk Franklin. I don't know if you've heard of them. Just incredible artists. And they wrote a modern praise song to God called Psalm 42. They took the essence of Psalm 42 and they put it to words. And it really does just encapsulate what the psalmist is trying to say. It's not a psalm of complaint to God. It's a psalm of praise to God in the midst of complaint. And there's a big difference. And it teaches us something. And so I thought, you know what would be awesome? What if I could get Tori Kelly and Kirk Franklin to come here and sing it for you guys? <laughs> now, I looked at the budget and realized we can't do it. So, so I didn't, <laughs> all right. I thought, what if I could one-up that? What if I could get a couple of our LifePoint students to sing it for you and get Rosie Brainer to play keys, which I knew I could pull off because it was really cheap. <laughs> and... <laughs> So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have Rosie and a couple of our students come up to sing it. And when they sing it, I don't want you to focus as much on the song. I want you to focus on the lyrics and the heart behind the psalmist of what he's trying to do. Let's capture the spirit of the psalmist in this moment.
Thank you, ladies. <clears throat> Tori Kelly got nothing on them, I'll tell you that. Um, listen, I, I was thinking you know, about how to close this out. I, one of the things, when I think about that moment when I was in, at Marmon Valley and I, I couldn't see, and I was, I was nervous, to be honest with you. I, didn't, I wasn't sure how I was gonna get back. But what I did was I just focused on the one light bulb on the cabin. And I thought, if I just keep going towards the light bulb, I'll be fine. Like, as long as I go slow and don't break an ankle, like, if I just go, I'll be fine. And even though I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, I just took step by step, and I kept going until the light got bigger and bigger until I found myself in front of the cabin. You know, our beacon is Jesus. The Bible says that we should, we should cast our gaze upon Christ, fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He teaches us to walk by faith and not by sight. He teaches us to get through the seasons by trusting in him no matter what. And the only way to do it is we have to gaze into him. We have to focus completely on who he is. And you know, it was on the cross when I think he felt all of those things. He felt abandoned. Do you remember him crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like we have someone to run to that actually understands what we're going through. He opens up his arms to us, says, come to me. Anyone who finds life burdensome, come to me, and you're going to find rest for your souls. My, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Here's what he's saying, follow me. Yes, there's things I'm going to ask you to do that will be difficult. Yes, but it's not hard. You just need to trust me. That's what he's saying, follow me. So if you came in today and you're going through a season that's very difficult, I just want to encourage you to gaze your eyes into the cross and let Jesus be your beacon. 
And if you came in today and you're in a great season, then just like we talked about last week, Psalm 103, let's praise God and thank him for those things he's doing in our life. That there's, there's a time when we just say, thank you, God. But for many of you, my guess is that you have something in your life that is causing that, that struggle. Maybe you've even done some things to kind of lean into something that you shouldn't be leaning into and thinking that was gonna fulfill your life. And that thirst is not quenched and you need to come back to Christ. So today, when we stand to pray, what I want you to do is I want you to cast that on God. Focus on Christ. And if you came in here today, and maybe you might say, you know what, I don't know that I've ever made it right with God. I believe in God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, but maybe you've never said, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna own my sin and own my part of the problem, and today I'm gonna cast my faith into you and ask you for forgiveness. And if you've never done that, it's really simple. It's a step of faith. I'll help you do that in prayer just in just a few seconds. So let's do that. Let's stand together and let's pray. Um, I wanna say to you that if you, if maybe you're going through one of those things right now and you're really struggling and you need someone to pray with or someone to talk to, we have this area back in my back left corner of the room called Next Steps. They will meet with you. You don't even have to tell them the details. If you go back and say, hey, will you pray for me? They will pray for you. And it helps to have someone else bring God into the mix. And maybe you have a, something you're struggling with. They have books back there on relationships, relationships with God, struggles, they, whatever, they have books back there they'll give you for free. If you just ask, tell them what's going on, they'll give you something uh, that, that'll help. But I'm gonna ask, when we start singing, just slip out of your seat and just head back to next steps. Connect uh, before you leave, all right? Let's close our eyes and bow your head, talk to God. If you've been uh, in a season, just an incredible season, just thank God right now. And if you are in a season where one of those things you're going through, you can feel it, it's been the struggle in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine all of that stuff and put it in a ball and roll it up. And I just want you to roll it over to God and say, God, I'm giving you this right now. And maybe the problem is you feel like God's not hearing you, but by a step of faith, I want you to take that stuff, whatever it is, whether it's a sin issue or something happening to you or whatever it is, just roll it up and say, God, I'm surrendering this to you. Help me to feel close again. Help me to walk by faith until I feel you again. Just tell him that. And if you would come in today and you say, you know what, I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to come into my life and forgive me of sin. It's a faith step and it's easy. Here's what I want you to do. Just say to God, God, I believe in you. Say, Father in heaven, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died on the cross and I believe he rose from the grave. Maybe you've grown up believing that your whole life. Just tell him, God, I believe. The Bible says, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You do that by simply saying to Jesus right now, Jesus, I'm telling you, please forgive me. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, Jesus. I am sorry for my sin. Will you forgive me of my sin? And then say to him, Please accept this step of faith in my life, Jesus. Will you lead my life? I wanna follow you, help me. You need to know that simple step of faith is what he requires. If you were thinking you had to do something to prove yourself to God, that is not what he wants. He wants your faith. And that step of faith is a step that connects you to God the Father through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. What it means to have a relationship with Jesus, now you just follow him as best you can. Step by step, faith step by faith step. When you sense God telling you to do something, just try to do that. One of the things I'll say is that Jesus said, and I'll help you take this step right now. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven, before all the angels. I'm just gonna help you do that. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to acknowledge that between you and me and God. 
All I want you to do is simply say, Ed, I'm raising my hand. I want you to see it. And God, I want you to see it. If that's you, anywhere in the room, you just pray the prayer. I want you to raise your hand high enough I can see it. Anywhere in the room. Yes, I see you there in the back. Anyone else? Raise a high enough I can see. My wife came to me last week and said, Ed, you didn't see this person in the back because they didn't put their hand up high enough, but I saw them. I said, praise God. Praise God. God, for all of those in this room that are struggling to feel your presence, God, I pray you would meet them with your grace and mercy. That you would enter into those struggles and they would start to sense you working from the inside out. But God, have your way with them. Teach them to trust in you rather than their feelings. And God, help them to praise you even in the midst of the struggle until you fix or use the situation for your glory. God, for those who are taking first steps, I pray you would meet them where they're at. Help them to sense your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness start to well up in their soul. And we ask all this in your son's Jesus' precious name. Amen.